This is Van Color. My name is Mo Amir and this is Van Collar, British Columbia's bonafide culture and politics TV talk show right here on Check and Check Plus. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Tonight, we're going to talk about a super fun topic, municipal politics in British Columbia. Please do not change the channel. 2022 is a municipal election year. It's super important. And my featured guest tonight promises to get you excited about it. He is one of the most delightful voices in the province's mediascape. Hailing from Victoria, he boasts an impressive resume boosted by his incredible charts, fun tournament style voting brackets, and informative ranking lists of everything from Metro Vancouver craft breweries to heritage minutes. I deeply admire this man. He is the municipal affairs reporter for CBC Vancouver, covering local political stories throughout BC. He is Justin McElroy. Justin, so nice to see you. Nice to see you again, too, Mo. Well, virtually, but it's good to be here. <laughs> virtually is still better than nothing. I appreciate it. Justin, let's just get into it. Municipal elections in BC are happening this year on October 15th. Now, this level of government always seems to have low engagement compared to provincial or federal politics. And this is particularly evidenced by low voter, voter turnout. In 2018, the city of Victoria had a voter turnout of 45%, Saanich had 38%, Surrey had 33%, and Vancouver had 39%. So sell me on this, Justin. Why should we care about municipal elections? I mean, why should you care about what house goes up next to you? Why should you care about what your parks look like? Why should you care about what your streets are paved and where they're going in the future? You know, it's the front door stuff of uh, politics, and it might not be on the front page of your paper or on social media. I'm dating myself with that paper reference, <laughs> but it's the stuff that truly, do it does matter, right? And it's the, going to impact you directly a lot more than nationally, national federal politics and a lot of times more than provincial. You're right, we don't think about it as much. A lot of reasons, right, in Victoria and Vancouver were unamalgamated, so there's these smaller municipalities, you're not necessarily talking with your friends all the time about the mayor and council in the same way. Uh, it doesn't get quite the hype. But this is important stuff, and because of uh, the fact that there's no majority or minority depending, uh, impacting when the election's going to happen, it's every four years at the same time, who you choose now, you're stuck with for one, two, three, four years. And so I go, to, look, you've got one shot. It can be confusing because a lot of times there's not parties. You have a ballot that's way too long, yeah. but uh, it's the one choice you have, the one opportunity you have. And so if you choose, everyone can choose not to vote, but if you don't and you want to complain the other four years that happen afterwards, I just sort of, uh, you know, shrug and go, Ugh, it was right there. I feel like a lot of people do that, but it, it does seem like one of the key issues where municipalities do exert a lot of influence is housing through zoning, permitting, and of course, property taxes. I feel like housing was really the core issue in most urban areas in BC during the 2018 municipal elections. Has this always been the case when it comes to municipal elections? Or is this like a fairly new phenomenon outside of like, uh, you know, what have been referendums on bike lanes in Vancouver? Yeah. 
and it is fairly new as the biggest political point and a point of political division. And the reason for that is pretty straightforward. People could afford homes in the past pretty <laughs> easily. Uh, now they can't. And because municipalities control how land is used, there's so many more debates now about what is the appropriate policy in terms of zoning, in terms of permitting, in terms of what cities can do both to escape what the city looks like, that's always been there, but what they can do to ensure that people can stay in the communities they like, can grow their families to the places that they like, and whether these desires butt heads with other demands that longtime residents have. So, you know, we used to say that the one big political dividing line was for left and right was your basic conservatism on taxes, on mm -hmm. what a municipality could or should do or try and lobby the provincial and federal government. Now there's two ends of it. That's still there, but a big one is that how much do you want to develop? Do you want to let a rip and have as uh, many homes as possible, be dense, have more apartments, do everything in your toolkit to try and increase that supply? Or do you go, you know what, that's extremely risky, that can uh, upzoning, can inflate property values, so we need to be more cautious, we want to keep things closer to the way they are, and we think that other levels of government have more responsibility and more tools to lower the price of housing. Now, are there any other core issues that municipalities will share in BC heading into October's vote? Uh, I think a big one is going to be these questions about uh, crime, about uh, homelessness, about how for some people they can be intertwined. You know, th this is an issue that does ebb and flow in the province, but we're certainly seeing in Vancouver, we're seeing in Victoria, but we're also seeing in a lot of other mid-sized municipalities, Prince George, Penticton, Kelowna, lots of places where there's more of an argument of people saying, look, what we're doing on a local level to try and house the most vulnerable is not working. There's more people that seem to be upset or at least are more vocally upset about if they see street disorder in their downtown cores. And so the, the question is whether, A, whether people will vote on this or not, whether it influences they were going to vote for person A, but instead uh, person B has a better platform and we're going to try that. And then the other question is simply to what extent do people get passionate outside of this core group to go and vote when perhaps they didn't before. But certainly the, right. those are the two, that's the second big thing next to, to housing. I think housing will still be the dominant one because at the end of the day, it's affecting all British Columbia so much. And it's something that virtually everyone can agree on that the prices are too high. Yeah. Uh, but I do think uh, people going, how safe is our downtown core? What can we do to make it better? And what can we do to house our most vulnerable? And the interconnection of those two questions is going to be number two in people's minds. Mm -hmm. Now, what role will COVID-19 play in this election? We've seen Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart really tout the city of Vancouver's high vaccination rates in his political messaging. But realistically, what can incumbent mayors or councils say that they did to provide COVID-19 support? You sound a little skeptical of that, Mo. Did the, the mayor, did the mayor 
it, did the mayor personally go to people's houses and give them that jab? I'm not, you know, too. But yeah, I, I think the what how COVID will dominate a lot of the discussion, I think, is this sort of hypothetical that you hear from a lot of politicians when they go, why didn't you work on this? Or what about this issue? Or can we do that? And what ends up happening a lot is they will say things like, well, we were making progress on that, but then the pandemic happened and that stopped what we were doing and now we're making progress in the idea. Yada, yada. So I do think that will dominate some of it is as to whether municipalities did enough over these last two years to advance other interests or whether voters say, you know what, you should have at least tried to do X, Y, and Z over that time. But it's going to be difficult to say because we don't know what the pandemic is going to look like in October. Right. Do you think voters are going to buy that excuse that progress on certain files wasn't made because of COVID? I think to a certain extent, because everyone has had files in their personal and professional lives that got stopped because of COVID and maybe have come in fits and starts right now. But I think if you're a politician that repeats that line again and again as a catch-all for all of your arguments, you're not going to have too much sway. At the end of the day, politicians do need to be accountable and everywhere in the world has dealt with this pandemic. And well, you might be able to say that for, okay, why things got temporarily worse for three or six or nine months. I think as in our own lives, how we haven't put things, everything on hold and we've made adjustments and workarounds, people are going to want to see from politicians the ways that they've been able to advance certain priorities outside of that. Mm -hmm. Now, cities often complain about senior levels of government downloading responsibilities onto municipalities. From your vantage point, what sorts of things are municipalities more responsible for now than they were like 20 years ago? Yeah, and it's every municipality takes a different approach on what they choose to be more responsible for because other levels of government simply either do not fund things the same way that they did before. So an example is for that might would be affordable housing. You know, federal and provincial governments put lots of money into non-market housing throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s and basically dried up in the 90s and 0s and for most of the 10s. And that's a lot of the issues that we're dealing with now. Uh, and then if you're a bigger city with enough of a tax base to maybe fund things, you go, this is something that I'm going to do. So that's the big one. Another one is just a question of what government should be lobbying for. You know, uh, a more traditionalist viewpoint of local government is that we should keep the streets clean, we should have the parks green, we should uh, clean up the potholes, and we should do some nice events once in a while, but otherwise we should get out of the way. And mm. But there are a lot of politicians, and a lot of them are younger, a lot of them, you know, you would say traditionally are on the left side of the political spectrum, that say there's a climate crisis, and, local, and provincial governments and federal governments aren't dealing with it. There's an affordable housing crisis, and provincial and federal governments aren't dealing with it. There's uh, an opioid crisis, and again, provincial and federal governments aren't dealing with it or aren't moving fast enough and we have some powers and we're going to try and do what we can to make things better now we get lots of arguments both on council tables and in city politics and discussion over whether that's quote unquote responsible or enough but i think if you're someone that has a more traditionalist viewpoint you have to really argue to, to voters look these are the reasons why we need to stick to these certain things and not deviate off 
course, uh, and you have to back it up with data, and you have to back it up with showing what maybe other levels of government are doing, and what the cost of a munici municipality trying to do that above and beyond their traditional uh, stuff. Otherwise, you can end up sounding like a stick in the mud, right? Uh, yeah. And just saying sort of weakly going, no, we can't, when lots of voters might get excited about those ideas. So it's an interesting conflict that plays itself out throughout the year. But again, elections are the only time where we can actually see what voters think. And it's really fascinating, right? Because we always hear on social media, well, I represent the viewpoint of real Vancouver citizens or real Victoria residents. But we don't really have any mechanism of seeing that beyond the ballot box and when we have candidates standing up, clearly saying where they stand on the dividing line for these things. Yeah. So we've been talking about the municipal elections throughout BC this year, Saturday, October 15th. They're happening all across the province. But let's, let's zoom in to a few key municipalities. Now, back in October, the mayor of Victoria, Lisa Helps, announced that she would not be seeking a third mayoral term. Mayor Helps has been a voice for progressive social justice issues. So when we look at the possibilities of who might replace her, will they need to fit in that similar mold? Or are there other factors where the city of Victoria might be looking for something different in their next mayor? Yeah, so there's a couple of different questions that will determine that. One is just how many people vote, right? Uh, Lisa Helps was popular. Victoria is, you know, for the last 30, 40 years, a center-left or just straight-left city when you look at who it uh, elects on a municipal, provincial, federal level. But if there ends up being one person to be sort of helps his successor, in a sense, or runs on advancing the same causes that she did, whereas there's two, three, four, five people that run against her in a sense that they say everything in Victoria has gotten worse and crime is bad and traffic is bad and we're building too much and we need to get back down to basics, that help successor could win with 30-35% of the vote. So that's going to be part of it. And then the other part of it is just frankly, you know, the charisma and the organizational skills of whoever runs. Uh, Lisa Helps was a force. Uh, she advocated very fiercely for what she believed in. She was good with both sound bites and with larger policy issues. Uh, she was a formidable campaigner and people underestimated her at their peril. Uh, and so whoever steps up this time, it's more of a blank slate, although, the, you know, it's going to be maybe a battle of counselors. But that's going to be a big question of how these people, once they're thrust fully in the public spotlight where everyone's focusing on them, uh, how they manage to go up or down in people's approval levels that maybe they didn't think about so much when they were just counselors. Mm -hmm. Now, moving to Surrey, which I feel like could have its own dedicated show, kind of complicated politics to outsiders, it feels like. There's a very divided city council, a very divided city over the creation of a local police force, the Surrey Police Service, to replace the Surrey RCMP. Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum is facing a criminal public mischief charge after he made a report to the RCMP that someone had run over his foot with a car in a parking lot. Tall task here, Justin, but can you please set the board and explain where the battle lines will be drawn in Surrey's municipal election? Yeah, Surrey's politics are very normal. So there's a few questions that will be 
on the table that have to be addressed. One is whether Doug McCallum runs again. He mm -hmm. says that he wants to, that he's raring to go. Uh, there's going to be the question of whether he changes his mind, whether it's because of poor polling or any personal decisions, or perhaps if the Safe Surrey Coalition, the people that support him on the party, sort of gently nudge him out of the way. We don't know that question yet. The other question is, again, similar to Victoria. How many people run against him and do they split the vote? Uh, we know that Brenda Locke, a Surrey councillor who ran on McCallum's slate, then abruptly left it just a few months in, uh, would like to run, is planning on running against him with this new Surrey Connect slate. Uh, we know that uh, Surrey MP Souk Dalywal, very popular liberal who has been elected three different times, is considering a bid as well. So those dynamics need to be set up. And then the other one is just what this gets run on. If it's about the police and if it's about what McCallum was able to do there and Skytrain, that might be a difficult sell for voters because the last election was on it. The Skytrain is coming to Langley. The mm. provincial government has been really hesitant to even open up by window the possibility of reversing course for a local police force. But if they're able to make it either about McCallum specifically and his conduct or a question of where Surrey is going from here and exciting people on that. That was a big reason McCallum won in the first place, that he was able to excite people on the fact that I'm going to give you a Skytrain, I'm going to give you a local police force. The details were sort of sketchy on both, but he made them happen. Uh, if anyone challenging him can have another version for Surrey building on that or having other things to excite voters, that'll be interesting to watch for. Well, I'm sure it'll be a wild one. And lastly, of course, the city of Vancouver seems to have a head start with most of their mayoral candidates already announcing their run before this year, including incumbent uh, Mayor Kennedy Stewart, the NPA's John Cooper, Ken Sim, who lost the 2018 mayoral election by about a thousand votes, Mark Marison, a lot of dudes here. Possibly Colleen Hardwick, uh, maybe a ma uh, maybe a candidate from Vision Vancouver. We're seeing new parties, but tied to last year's election, a better city, Progress <laughs> Vancouver, Kennedy Stewart's new party, uh, renewed parties. Vision Vancouver going to stage a comeback. Team might be back. Old parties, of course, like Cope and the Greens. Will this? Be I don't have. I only have two hands, Mo. I cannot go more than ten at a time. There's a lot of choices, is what I'm saying. Will this be a, a sequel to 2018, where Vancouver has a buffet of choices, a super long ballot, and the core issue will still be housing, or is there a new dimension to this race? Yeah, no, I think it will be pretty much that. I think because there is an incumbent running, you will have that focus on that in a way that we didn't in 2018 when Gregor Robertson wasn't running again. But look, it's you're going to have that huge buffet of choices, it looks like. And it means that even though Kennedy Stewart, it's not that a lot of people think that he's great. You know, I think most people would call him a C-plus mayor if you went through the average of grades. Not but him, though. He didn't no give himself a C-plus. No, I mean, no politician ever would. That would be silly. But if uh, no one runs to his left and you have all these uh, folks running to his right on a more status quo preservationist, uh, reverse some of the ideas that the city is going, then you could have that same vote split again. It's not like Stewart got in by a huge amount last time. So mm. there's going to be that question. There's going to be the question of whether the 
parties to the right can sort of consolidate, can agree on a certain number of councillors that they're putting forward. Uh, and then it's going to be a question of people, of how to get people essentially, if no one runs to Stewart's left, of making those folks that ordinarily would support what the mayor and what this council on fits and starts is trying to do enthusiastic, not only voting, but campaigning and getting their friends out for voting of mm -hmm. saying, look, the way Vancouver is going is good. Uh, we need to keep going on this direction. We just need one or two more councillors on the table so we don't with us so we don't have quite as many marathon meetings and we can get through more of our agenda than happens right now where a lot of things end up going back to committee or studies on top of studies on top of studies. Right. But it's going to be interesting because again, it's not like there's a lot of enthusiasm for Stewart at this point in time, but also a pathway for other people to win other than him. It's gonna be complicated because of just how many opposition parties there are out there. Mm -hmm. Now really quickly, 15 seconds or less, is there a municipality that you, Justin McElroy, will be watching on October 15th with very keen eyes? There's 162 municipalities in this province, and 161 of them have people. Apologies to Jumbo Glacier. Look it up. They're all good. It's going to be an exciting night. It all happens at once, and I can't wait to see exactly what the new makeup of this province's political municipal politicians looks like. Justin, you are a gem. I think you're single-handedly making municipal politics sexy. You're doing what you did for charts, but for city halls all over the all over BC. I can't wait to debrief with you uh, when this is all over. So thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Mo. Folks, that was CBC Vancouver's municipal affairs reporter, Justin McElroy, one of the best in the business and one of the best follows on Twitter. That's our show. Thanks so much for watching. This is Van Culler, and I'm Mo Amir telling you that in a province where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace. Thank you.